we're all creative, period. Mm -hmm. Like we all have an imagination, period. So every kid who walks into preschool and they're in the prime in preschool, they're creative. You and I are creative. Mm -hmm. It's just that by the time so many of us reach adulthood, it's been stamped out of us if we don't fall into one of those categories that, that our society has deemed as creative. So it's really just taking something from nothing and letting your heart and instincts lead the way without your brain telling you, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Hey everyone, this is Alex and Wes from the Lean Into You podcast, and today we are super excited to be talking about creativity and expressing yourself uh, creatively and how that relates to self-care. Right. I think a lot of us are used to seeing creativity as something that uh, looks a certain way, that looks like painting or uh, playing a musical instrument or something like that. But today we're going to get into the ways creativity can just help us relax, help us give back to ourself and in such a way that we don't have to be overly critical of our own creative process. Our guest today is Fran Soren. Fran is an author and a creativity expert and coach. Uh, and her work cultivating creativity through gardening specifically has been featured on the Today Show, ABC, HGTV, the Discovery Channel, and a lot more. Um, so we're super excited to, to get into this with Fran. One of the things that stuck out to me about this is how embracing the creative side of yourself often means setting aside certain cycles of shame or uh, dealing with uh, being a perfectionist, things that a lot of us struggle with on a day-to-day basis. Right. And these cycles of shame often come from us comparing ourselves to others. And that's what we're really talking about today, you know, making our creative process and our creative journey, something that's intensely personal to us. So we hope you enjoy this conversation about cultivating our creativity with Fran Soren. Hi, Fran. How are you? I'm doing great, Alex. Good to see you. Likewise, likewise. How are things over in uh, Tel Aviv? Quiet. We just got, relatively compared to the rest of the world, mm. we just got permission. They're doing a testing for the fourth jab. So we're, gotcha. we're pretty oh, much wow. leading the world. Yeah. And I'm supposed to come to the States next month. And it will be a good timing if I can get the fourth vaccine before then. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. it's We've had one international guest uh so far, but definitely nowhere from Israel, no one from Israel. Um, so this is exciting, uh, oh, charting new you. grounds. Yeah. Yeah. So we're super excited to, to chat with you today. Thanks for coming on, uh, on the show. And we wanted to talk, we've wanted to talk about creativity on this podcast for, um, really for a while started, yeah, yeah. since the beginning. Um, but just haven't found the right time, the right person, the right way that we wanted to approach it. You, uh, we found your work, um, I think through an article that you had uh, had written uh, or had authored about ways that you can foster an individual can foster their creativity. And that kind of stoked me into researching your work a little bit. And you've mm-hmm. got a book that you've authored um, called Digging Deep, Unearthing the Creative Roots Through Gardening, which I thought was really interesting. And uh, so I started looking up that, you know, s- sent you a message and, and here we are. So um, the reason we wanted to talk about creativity is not only do our early childhood educators constantly have to be creative, they're constantly having to engage their kids. They're all constantly having to, um, you know, find new ways to 
help their kids learn and learn themselves mm. as well by kind of transforming in and letting that inner child kind of come out in their instruction, yeah. right? Um, but I also think in order to be a creative person, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, you kind of have to be a free person. And there's a lot of mentality and mindset behind that. And so mm. we're really excited to to dig into what some of that stuff means. Um, so maybe just to start, how can you introduce yourself for for people that may not be uh, aware yeah, of I you? Am Fran, I'm Fran Soren. It's great to be with you two gentlemen. And uh, my background is as uh, I call myself a garden evangelist. Um, it's really a garden designer, but I became more known as a garden evangelist mm. because I did a lot of broadcasting and writing and speaking. And I believe so firmly and strongly and passionately in the power of gardening as a way to unearth your creativity and literally transform your life and wake yourself up. And if you're not a gardener, connect with nature. So mm, right, right. Yeah. So that's that's really my a big message. And sure. it is about leading a very conscious, awake life. And every moment is a gift. Yeah. Right. Right. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Um uh, you mentioned creativity and something that I noticed in your book and just right at the beginning is you kind of um, redefine what it means to be creative. And I think that mm -hmm. that might be important kind of at the top here as we go into this discussion. Um, Thank you. So yes. what, what is, what is creativity to you and how well, does it differ? It, yeah, I think, I think unfortunately our culture has turned it into you're either born creative or you're not. So right. it's the kids in school who naturally go towards uh, writing, uh, drama, art, we're all creative, period. Mm -hmm. Like we all have an imagination, right. period. So every kid who walks into preschool and they're in the prime in preschool, they're creative. You and I are creative. Mm -hmm. It's just that by the time so many of us reach adulthood, it's been stamped out of us if we don't fall into one of those categories right. that, that our society has deemed as creative. So it's really just taking something from nothing and letting your heart and instincts lead the way without your brain telling you, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Right. So it's creating for the sake of creating. Mm. And one of the things I love, I always have clients do is just to go to a grocery store or a flower store and take, buy a dozen, two dozen, three dozen different flowers mm. and just bring vases out and play and start arranging different arrangements turn on music, have a cup of tea, a glass of wine, and play without criticizing yourself. So it becomes creating for the sake of creating. So for me, for moms who are, and dads who are rushing through to make a meal, it's trying something a little different and spicing it up. That's creative. Mm -hmm. Doing something different with your kids, even creating a different kind of lunch for school or taking them a different way to school. Um, that's creative. I was I was walking with my granddaughter the other day, Lola, for a walk, and I'm just beginning to feel comfortable, believe it or not. Here I am, the nature and creativity expert. I'm now just beginning to understand and know I need to be touching trees and communicating with mm. them. Whereas before I would sit and kind of observe and talk to them in my brain. Now I'm literally going up and touching. She went right over to the tree. She put her face up. She gave it a big kiss. And she said, <laughs> hello, tree. 
Mm. That's you could say that's playfulness, but that's also creativity. Right. She did that on her own and connection. So creativity is just about anything where you're not repeating something you've done before mm. or not mimicking somebody else. Mm. Yeah. We've talked about it, this idea on our podcast a lot, the, this idea of learning from kids, right? Of learning from the kids oh. in our, our care. And it's, as you said, unfortunately, a lot of times creativity through society and through uh, cultural stigmas, other things, creativity gets stamped out of us. But right. as a way of kind of reclaiming creativity, if people are having a difficulty of, you know, getting out of their own way or seeing the thing that, they, that they're doing as a creative act, um, one great way for our educators is again just observe your children, right. um, because they are living from a living out from a place of creativity all the time. Mm-hmm. For sh- couldn't agree more. And they have they have arenas and areas of places they are in that we could only dream of being in. Mm. Right. So, for example, mushrooms. We have these uh, grove of mushrooms that grows when it rains here, which it's happening a lot now. So I just mentioned to one of my grandkids the other day that, oh, did you know there are elves the size of ants under those mushrooms that are getting Santa's gifts ready? Well, they (laughs) took it and ran. Right. Right. So sometimes it's just, I mean, they were really into it. So they were lifting it up. They were, for them, it's, it's serious. This is, and if I listen to them also, what they bring to the table is extraordinary. So if they're talking about dinosaurs, they're, this is not a joke. Dinosaurs are very real to them. Right. Mm. Yeah. So it's up to me to enter their world and play at that level. And they make me more creative. They loosen me up. Mm. Yeah. I love the idea of, of an exercise being uh, play. You know, you've mentioned it multiple times. And, and I think that when we started this podcast, like uh, for us just recording this morning, when we started talking to you, you said, I'm ready to play. And I think it's easy for us, it's easy for Alex and I to think of this as part of our job, but we truly are creating something here. And so I think it's shifting that mindset to to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to play today. And, yes. and just the act of playing is creativity. And educators are so lucky to be able to see that play all the time and to be able to engage with that play. I think that, um, like you're talking about, uh, you mentioned that children are are kind of in tune to something that uh, to kind of states of being that we have forgotten about. It's that childhood wonder. And I think most of us go through life trying to recapture that. I couldn't agree with you more. And I loved what you said about the mindset. If each morning, each of us, were, if, if it was just our mantra for the day, I am going to play today. Mm-hmm. My goal is to play. And every person I encounter, I'm going to play with. Right. It doesn't matter whether it's the grocery clerk it doesn't matter whether it's uh, the cleaner on the street. It doesn't matter if it's somebody you already know. Actually, with people you know, whether it's teachers um, or you guys even, rather than the familiar, hi, how you doing, spice it up. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because we've talk, we talked on our prep call a little bit that um, creativity has the power to heal. And connection, mm-hmm. forming connection, connection being the bedrock of creativity, connecting with the thing that you're doing with your yourself, with another person. That's the bedrock of creativity. Um, and that brings about healing. And so that kind of begs the question, like, what is there to gain from exploring this creative side of us? And maybe talk about that healing component a little bit. 
Sure, sure. Well, first of all, creativity is the ultimate place to be. So when you're when you're being creative, the egos without getting too psychological, um, I have a psychology background, but the ego is no longer controlling you. There's a lack of total of self-consciousness at all. And you're in a state of flow and you are in that moment, just zooming along, doing your thing, intent on it. When you're co so it is healing because you're, you're the, the hurts, the pain, the, the voices in your heads, they're not there anymore. We all have those voices that we're often very not friendly towards. So they're out of there hmm. when you're co-creating and there's a lot being written on co-creation now in groups and um it's a great opportunity for educators to be able to do this you are not just healing yourself when you co-create as a group you're healing each other wow. and it's a wonderful way of bypassing i i think the old idea that we have to address every hurt within ourselves is long gone there are ways of healing just by doing Hmm. And whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing an art project together, which is very typically what we think of creativity, but let's say you're making a mural for the kids before they come in, you can have a blast doing that. Um, So it does have a healing because the more you're working from this altered state of flow or altered state of consciousness, which is where creativity resides, the more you are healing yourself, you're bringing out the best of yourself. And you see this time and time again. And there's so much research on it that it's it's it almost it, it dumbfounds me that people, including me, forget about it that, oh, yeah, um, for me, it may be going to the piano for an hour and just sitting there and getting back to my scales and playing, turning to old pieces and pulling them apart totally enter another state when I do that. Mm-hmm. And I can walk in, in a very bad mood and an hour later feel like a totally different person. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's something at the core of everything that we've been talking about so far. And that is, um, you mentioned it in your book and at least in the introduction with this, this, uh, concept of Wabi Sabi, um, which we won't, we won't go get too heady with it, but basically it's this, uh, Japanese idea of, um, being familiar or comfortable with imperfection, right? And, and kind imper- of yes, imp- yes, Alex, and impermanence, mm. which is so critical to yeah. imperfection for sure. Yeah, and I think that's at the core of kind of unlocking this creative side to us. As we talk, we've talked about getting out of our own way. I think in order to become an innately creative person, you have to kind of. Um, you have to find joy in the process of of creating, right. which means I I think for me in people that I've you know I've talked to a little bit about this, for me it's um you can't really find joy in that process if you are, you know your your biggest inner critic or you are your own um uh if you have this fear of failure or you have well, it's fair. It, and, and perfectionists have the worst that they i my heart goes out to them thank goodness i'm not a perfectionist because if you need to be perfect how can you be a beginner right it's, it's a wonderful place if you some of the greatest zen monks always talk about beginner's mind because yeah. and and in our culture everybody's working so such with such uh Oh, I don't even know the words, but there's an intensity about becoming a master of something. Thank you very much. I'd rather be a beginner. Hmm. It gets me off the hook and I'm able to make as many mistakes as I want. And 
that's the way to learn, isn't it? Right. So right. you're right about that inner critic that and, and I've seen it so many times on gardening tours, talking to people who don't want to garden because they're afraid of making a mistake. And I'm like, gardening's all about mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nature is a great partner. So yeah, the inner critic. And you know, there's something I was just listening to Joseph Goldstein, who's one of the great uh um meditators. He's an old-time meditator from the United States. And he was saying, wouldn't it be wonderful? The greatest gift we can give ourselves is making friends with our mind, Mm. which I love all the different pieces in our mind, because that's what's prevent the self-censoring and the shame that you're not good enough and the self-censoring. And it's always about, oh my God, if I take a pottery class and look at that person who's so much better than me, Right. So it really, I know it, it may sound very, I mean, I've been there. I know about it. I speak with experience and it takes the discipline. It's less about the product than the process. Right. And Alex, you were saying the joy in the process, but you have to let go of all of these expectations. Mm-hmm. There's no expectations except have a blast. Right. Right. I, I remember something you mentioned in your book was that no garden that you've ever started has turned out the way you expected it to. Precisely. You know, and, and that and that's exactly the point, right? Like we can't sometimes we are gonna surprise ourselves, but if we are constantly holding ourselves back and 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 not letting ourselves play, then we're never going to be able to do that, right? because uh, right. we'll we'll always be in that in that same mindset. We'll be right back with Fran Soren. Emily Dan, and I'm a special education teacher and early care and education coordinator working in Chattanooga. I like to think I'm a creative person, but the older I get, the more I see how much of a perfectionist I truly am. Working with young children, I've tried to focus less on perfection and more on the experience of each task. I've learned time and time again that when I let go of the end goal I had envisioned and allow the creative juices to start flowing, that my students aren't the only ones who benefit from the process. I really believe that promoting creativity with my students is how I've begun to foster creativity within myself. Creativity is something we're all born with and encouraged to use by influential teachers throughout our lives. I hope to look back on my career and see that I've helped each of my students foster their own creativity just as they've helped foster mine. I kind of want to circle back around to this idea of, of shame because I think it is a huge part in all of our lives. We some oh. some of us deal with it in different ways. Some of us figure out how uh, you know how to dance with shame in maybe a smoother way. And some of us are totally consumed by our own shame. Mm-hmm. But we all have a relationship relationship to it, right? Um, and I think too, like I kind of just want to take a second for our listeners to think about maybe what their lives would look like if shame was not a dominant voice in their life. Just think about the sticking points in your life. Think about the moments of anxiety. Think about the moments that you put pressure on yourself to be something to, and you're, you're, we talked in in our episode way back in season one um, with Dr. Judy Skeen. And I mentioned this all the time that uh, becoming wholly human for her was uh, narrowing the gap between who she was inside and who she projected to the world. Right. Yes. So as long as you can live into 
the closer you can you can come to living into who you are at your deepest sense inside, um, the more whole you're going to become and the healing that comes from that. So th- shame has a huge part of that process. Uh, if you're, if you are not motivated by shame, you are less likely to put on facades, to perform, to live into, uh, anxiety. And instead, you're going to be more likely to live into freedom, to live into the, again, giving yourself that permission to make mistakes, to grow, to develop. Um, and I think it's, you know, that, that if we are, again, if we are to, realize the most creative sides of ourselves, I think we really have to first and foremost deal with these cycles of shame in our lives and in a very, in a very real way. Mm. And that, and that's, I I would, I would say first, I I think your, I think your audience is very savvy from what I understand from you, but I know in dealing with clients, I'm also a coaches. Some people aren't even aware that they feel shame. Right. Right. Mm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, if you had asked me 30 years ago, I might have kind of sheepishly said, well, maybe I'm not sure I was onto it. So the point is, you first have to recognize it. And then to say, am I ashamed about feeling shame? So really owning it. Yeah. And is it possible to dance with it? And it's, you know, it's what we call the shadow piece. Can you make friends with it? Hmm. Rather than trying to be so um, furious with yourself because I know I shouldn't be feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what you do? Right. So, so let it ride through you. All it is, is a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not who you are. Shame is not who you are. Mm. It's a, one of hundreds of feelings that is going to pass through you. Mm. And if you allow it to pass through you, fantastic. Even as importantly, or more importantly, can you recognize when you are experiencing shame yeah. and pinpoint it? Mm. So these are some pointers to help you to begin to understand when, where, why. Yeah. Because you need to un- you need to begin to observe yourself to get a handle on your behavior. And I will say, shame is a universal feeling, uh, or practically universal, uh, in the Western culture, mm. not the Eastern culture as much. And it is. Um, your audience has a huge responsibility and such an opportunity for their young kids. I know this is for them as well, but kids from the time they're one year old are being indoctrinated into having to behave a certain way and do things a certain way. So they've got a great opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to kind of over intellectualize this process as well. And I think that I, I challenge any one of our educators who who might be experiencing what you're talking about, Fran, the, the idea that they might not have a relationship with shame already, um, to go and, and try something new, right? Like I, I think about growing up in a family who's very artistically, traditionally artistically talented yes. in painting. Yeah. Um, for me, I never wanted to do, to paint because I felt like I was bad at it, right? Um, and that was shame. So I challenge you to go yeah. out. There you go. You know, That's a I, perfect example. Right. I challenge you to go out and try something new and and look at the feelings that you're experiencing. And I guarantee you that you'll be able to unearth some of those things just as a practice, as a mm-hmm. any any type of creative outlet that you might have, go look for those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And and Fran, I'm so glad that you mentioned that that because you're totally right that the first step is uh, is maybe identifying within ourselves that 
we are capable of being someone that is motivated by shame, right? right? Or influenced by shame, I'll, I'll say. Because um, I'm the exact same way that if you were to to put me to it, I would say, no, I'm not someone that either experiences shame or if I do, I don't act on it, right? That I give myself a lot of permission. But, and maybe sometimes that's the case. Um, but there are probably, I guarantee there are areas in my life where shame is absolutely the driver in the driver's seat for me, right? Uh, and so kind of dealing with that and even pulling apart kind of the the pieces that have maybe contributed to these ideas. Like, who are you performing for? Who are you trying to? Because there's, there's always a person, I would say generally, that that we're trying to um, prefer, perform for, f- to fulfill, to satisfy. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you, you said that. And, and, and I love what you're saying, both of you. And just peeling the layers. Like, right. it's, it's never... I mean, it, it it definitely improves, but we're human. And I think, I love what Ram Das says, life is our curriculum, mm-hmm. period. So what comes your way? There's There doesn't have to be the big game plan. What comes your way each day is what you address. Right. So you always have an opportunity. I mean, I can tell you a few instances, which I won't, but just to, to say I'm in there with you in the past few weeks where I have experienced shame mm-hmm. and I'm able to catch myself and do some work around it. And rather than holding on to it after all these years of work, I say, okay, Franny, time to let it go, mm-hmm. let it go, right. let it drift off. Right. The sort of shifting gears ha- here. Uh, maybe how have you noticed this expressing itself in your, in your work um, with clients? Cause I know that you mentioned, um, sort of at the beginning of your book, talking about how you would um, interact with clients, right? Like you would go and you would say, I want you to dig into some gardening books. I want you to figure out what you like and what you don't. And then people are like, oh, well, I have no idea. I wanted you to do that. So Exactly. So what exactly. would you-, you can imagine? You can imagine the, we're talking about design, garden design clients. Yeah. You can imagine the clients that I didn't end up working with, right? Because the sure. ones that yeah. wanted a Fran- the ones that wanted a Fransoren garden, they weren't going to get it, right? So it really, pe- I think people are just stunned. I think people are stunned that you're asking them to take responsibility. Yeah, you're saying, look, this is your vision. This is your. I'm here to guide you, mm-hmm. and and let's do it together. People, the ones that I ended up working with were incredible. It brought out so much joy and changes, and it really is metacognition. You open up one arena, one small area in your life of creativity. It ripples into all other areas. Right. And as evidenced um, by the book, some of my clients just changed dramatically over the years. Absolutely. So so it really is um, one woman, I forgot her name, but the one who was, who wanted the wooden swing in her backyard, she, or the guy, the client who wanted to have a basketball court and turn it. It, Somebody, I gave them permission. I said, Hey, this is yours. Go for it. And it was really allowing them to conjure up childhood memories of, Oh my God, I can do anything I want. Right. Like it doesn't have to be a suburban, typical front yard. yard. Yeah. It's unearthing that, that childhood wonder again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and for, for individuals who might not have uh, read your book, what that looked like was um, them hiring you to design a garden for, for their backyard or, or whatever else. And what you would say is you would start it out by saying, well, first I want you to dig into this and tell me what you like 
um, look at uh, f- look at books, look at flowers. Tell me what you're interested in. And it was that creative catalyst that you're talking about that you've seen people's lives entirely be changed by just digging in and saying, you know what, I'm going to engage in gardening in a way that is creative in a way that I maybe am scared to do. And then having those rippling effects out into their life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and something as simple, your point, you're so articulate about this simple as saying I like, or I don't like, it doesn't have to be the style, whether it's gardening or anything else in life. It's, I like it. I don't like it. Right. Period. This is what, this is what speaks to me. And that's the beginning of the creative process is observing, discovering and owning what's really authentic and speaks to you. Yeah. I think if we all worked, it, it, it may, it, it sounds too easy, but it's true. What if we all worked from a place of just doing what we want to do that brings us joy? Whatever we do, our goal is simply, it should bring us joy and pleasure. Mm, yeah. Nothing else. No end result. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, I, I make terrible, and I still do in gardens, I make terrible mistakes, but that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. The great, the people who have what we call the most success in life, whatever that means. I think joy is the new success myself. I'm not big on what we talk about as far as external success, but some of the people I admire the most, it's just, they're saying fail, 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 mistakes, 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 mm-hmm. mistakes. And gee, you know, you want to make an incredible souffle and you fail five times and then you finally serve it and it's perfect. That's only after you failed all those times. Right. Mm. So it really is the fun of failure and basking in that and saying, okay, I gave it a try and, and good for me. There's a victory because it takes courage to be creative in the culture we live in. Yeah. It takes courage to be yourself when we've been taught that our thought we've been taught that the false self is what we should present to the world mm-hmm. yeah. versus the authentic self. Yeah. It takes courage. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, when we talk about creativity, it's easy to um, segment creativity or the, the creative process in our life as being one experience rather than opening that up and says, once, you, once you've discovered some level of or awakened some level of a creative side of yourself, like you said, that, that influences everything. That's the, the lens through which we see everything, right? And, and the I point could, is, it's never too old. Anybody, anybody who's listening to this and they're sitting there saying, yeah, but... No, it's not yet, but anybody can do this. And yeah. it really is. My suggestion would be if, if you're walking to work or even when you're driving is tough, but be out in nature when you're walking and take off your headphones and turn off your phone mm. and let your brain wander, connect with nature, but also let your brain wander and see what starts popping in your head. Yeah, You may be shocked at some ideas that come into your brain. Mm-hmm. And if it's as simple as walking a certain way to work and your brain says to you, your mind says, no, let's try it this way. It's, it's take it, do it. Yeah. Because those little snaps of intuition add up. Mm-hmm. And so, it becomes a it becomes a process of listening to yourself as well, right? Like as exactly. as you do that more, it's flexing a muscle. We talk about this, we talked about this in relation to mindfulness. This is a mindful practice of listening to yourself, recognizing where your mind is going, and then doing it. And that's that's an act of creativity as well. Getting in touch with yourself is is an act of being creative. Huge. Yeah. I yeah. love what you just said. 
And yes, and it's also listening to others. Mm. So rather than we're so busy thinking of the response that we're going to give when somebody's speaking, what if we all agreed to literally listen to another person if we played the game for even an hour at work or with friends, played the game of listening Mm. and pausing and really focusing on listening and then just pausing to let it sink in. How different is that? Yeah. 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 And we've talked about active listening for on this podcast before and, and kind of more mindful uh, as a meditative practice, as a mindful practice. And I love this idea of, because anyone can listen. Anyone can listen. If you struggle with the, I'm not creative conversation, or if you're, if, you're intimidated by maybe facing cycles of shame in your life. Like that is, that is totally a human feeling and that is okay. And we want you to know that that is okay. Um, Despite that, everyone can listen. And that I think listening is a great active and both comfortable place to start, right? To foster this, to begin to connect with other people. Um, and it may not seem like you're doing much in the moment, but you'll see over time as you become a more curious person, as you listen more, as you learn to ask good questions, things we've talked about on the show a lot, um, over time, you'll see these things and just naturally start to fire. You'll see these cycles of shame start to lessen, become less intimidating. Um, you'll see these, um, the material for being creative start to blossom a little bit. In your life. I think it's only a natural byproduct of learning, of being curious, of learning to listen and learning to ask good questions. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you raise an important point um, of being curious. That's something that's a muscle that if, if you, if you are naturally curious or you've been raised a certain way, but again, it's like people who love to exercise. They take it for granted that everybody knows how to do this. Being curious, you can foster that muscle. Mm. And it's learning if it's learning, even if you don't know how to ask questions, ask a question, Mm. like just ask it. It, I don't believe that there are good or bad questions. Just learn to engage and ask. Mm, Yeah. So yeah, yeah, curiosity is a great gift, but again, it's a muscle that you can build also. Yeah. And curious to, to follow your joy, the things that, that bring you joy. I like the idea of of getting into this and saying, you know, we, we've talked about cycles of shame. We've talked about wabi-sabi. We've talked about kind of these heady things, but really it's just getting in and doing it, whether that's listening, whether that's gardening, whatever it is that brings you joy, the process is going to come to you if you go and do it, just go and do it. Yes. And yes. And what if you don't know what brings you joy? I loved what I love what you said about the curiosity. Mm-hmm. So go on a mission Go on a treasure hunt and find out. Yeah. If you don't know, there may be nothing right now that does bring you joy. Okay. Nothing, nothing to feel ashamed about. Yeah. Begin to figure it out. And the curiosity is what's going to take you there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the yeah. talk is the easy stuff. I mean, it's fun to talk about it, right? But it is also work. And mm. it is, I, I love the word intent and commitment. Mm. There's no room for saying, I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. No, I commit. Yeah. I'm going to commit to figuring this out. And I don't care. It's these teeny tiny steps. There aren't big leaps. You don't need to think like that. Hmm. It's, you know, what can I do today? What can I be 
grateful for? What can I experiment with? Um, how can I greet that kid who walks into the room who usually annoys me? How can I turn that around and turn it into a fun interaction? Yeah. Uh, so it's endless what you can do. But like all of us, you need reminders. You need people like us or guides or mentors or colleagues or friends who give you a push and remind you, jostle you a little mm. to shake up. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, Fran, we've we've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I know it's... Uh, I've always seen myself as a creative person, but I think I now have more license to explore that even more of what that means and let it affect me in a, in a different way than maybe I've approached it uh, prior to this conversation. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you, both of you. It's been such a pleasure and you're doing great work. And it's also been a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it has, has indeed. Uh, so one more time, uh, your book that you published is called Digging Deep, Unearthing Your Creativity Through Gardening. Um, you can ex- find that what on Amazon or or anywhere else um and it's a we've both wes and i have started it and uh it's amazing it's yeah. really really good we're really excited to dig into those chapters so we usually like to sign off uh, a couple different ways but um other than gardening what what do you do for self-care oh gee i well i, I meditate every morning um i'm a big rower i row Mm. Uh, and it's one of the i'm, I'm on the river almost every day skiffing uh wow. sculling uh yeah Hmm. and uh as far as other self-care for me it really is about connecting with nature good friends good conversation and sometimes just quiet Hmm. just sitting even before i met with you guys today i sat in the chair here in this office for five minutes and just sat quietly Mm -hmm. wow transformative yeah i like that every every Uh, podcast we have our um our guests sign off with a word of encouragement to our educators. So if you have a message for, for yeah, educators. I, I, I got to tell you something. I, to all of you guys who are listening, um, I feel that educators are some of the most important and pivotal individuals in a child's, young adult's life. And that when we give our children over to you, you have so much influence on them. I respect you tremendously. And the more joy, first of all, the more you can practice love for yourself, it may sound hokey, but it's really coming from a place, if you're watching me, of feeling it so strongly, the more you love yourself and the more you can give to others, it it just, you're impacting the world in an incredibly positive way. So thank you. Hmm. Love it. Fran Soren, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, and uh, we hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you. A healthy and happy new year. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. This podcast is funded through a grant with the Tennessee Department of Human Services and Signal Centers. Signal Centers is a nonprofit in Chattanooga, Tennessee, whose mission is to strengthen children, adults, and families through services focusing on disabilities, early childhood education, and self-sufficiency. If you would like to leave a review, a comment, or have a suggestion for a future episode, please do so on our Instagram account, at leanintoyoupod. That's one word, at leanintoyoupod. Follow us on Instagram for weekly self-care tips, clips from our episodes, and graphic takeaways from many of the talking points from our conversations. Thanks again for listening to the Lean Into You podcast, and we hope you have a fantastic week.